This show is proudly sponsored by TraderCobb.com. Visit TraderCobb.com forward slash free tools for your free education content. Now on this section of the website, you will receive access to view a bit about the three trading strategies that I use daily. And if you're sick and tired of your family and friends wanting to know about Bitcoin and cryptocurrency, well, there's a free course in there for them as well, titled Beginner's Course to Cryptocurrency. It's absolutely free, so tell your friends and family and visit TraderCobb.com now. The Trader Cobb Crypto Show, talking business in blockchain. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Trader Cobb Crypto Show. Today's guest is joining me from a wonderful part of the UK, which I'm quite fond of after having spent some time there. He's a man who works more or less more often with his partner in bringing content to the masters so it's quite a niche market and they're doing a very very good job of it i can't wait to get into the conversation i've got ash pew who's host of new kids on the blockchain in the uk thanks for your time absolute pleasure lovely to be here so look i want to just hit the ground running by asking a little bit about your background so what were you doing prior to getting involved in crypto so myself and my girlfriend, Lisa, who's my co-host on the show, are professional documentary makers. So I've been kind of in the business for sort of 25 years and we make uh, sort of TV documentaries, long form documentaries. And about three years ago, we were just finishing up a documentary about a very different subject, about the movie Flash Gordon and what happened to Sam Jones, its star. And I started getting really interested in cryptocurrency. Uh, I'd been into it since probably 2013, but around that time, I couldn't even work out how to buy a Bitcoin. So I remember being down the pub in sort of 2012 with some friends trying to buy Bitcoin, probably for nefarious kind of reasons. And we couldn't, we couldn't fathom it. We were fairly tech savvy, but it just, you know, it didn't happen. So I forgot about it and it kept coming back and back and back. And in 2016, we just thought we should be filming this. This is something incredible. And this is something that's a once in a lifetime kind of opportunity. I'd kind of missed the whole dot-com boom. I'd been involved as a consumer, but I'd never really, I'd always regretted not being mm. at the heart of it when it took off. So we said, you know what, we're going to start filming. And we went to the Dash conference in uh, London and we started filming there and we met with loads of kind of influential crypto people and we just went right down the rabbit hole. Uh, the next thing you know, we're traveling around the world filming at all the big events, filming with a really wide range of people like Roger Ver to people like, cliff high to, to youtubers uh, kind of like omar yep. and just all of a sudden you know we start making this documentary and for the last three years we've been filming fairly solidly and then somebody said look this is such a fast moving space you need to get a youtube channel you need to start putting some content out because obviously a week in blockchain is like 10 years in anything else yes. so we accidentally created a blockchain channel with a view to kind of educating people from a kind of more documentary perspective. There's enough of those kind of crypto moon, everything's going to them, you know, we didn't want to do another one of those type channels. Like let's actually interview people and get people on, have a proper conversation and try and learn, you know, what's actually happening in this space and where it's going to go. And also the kind of ICO boom and bust was one of the most interesting things to witness from the inside. Yeah. And really interested to see where 2019 is going to lead as this kind of develops from there. Well, that's quite an interesting uh, perspective. And I can't wait to get into a little bit more detail of what you've done in the filming side, obviously coming from a background of documentary filmmaking. Of course, you're looking at it from a very different lens on how to portray a certain story or narrative uh, to uh, the general public. And the word narrative can often be misconstrued with being 
ne- negative. Often people say, oh, that fits your narrative. It's, it's a very big thing we're hearing more or less these days, especially across social media. I'm very interested to get into your narrative in just a moment as to how you're going to pitch that or show that to the masses. But before we do, when did you start actually actively investing? You said 2013, 2012, too hard, too hard, too hard. 2016, you came back. Did you start buying then? Yeah, the first in 2016, I remember going to, I think it was Coinbase, and I thought, I'm actually going to just buy $10 worth of Bitcoin, buy it, sell it, and just do the whole process. And I literally yep. did it, bought it, demystified it. And around this time, there were lots of YouTubers that were giving you those how to guides. Before that, it was really, you know, it was very difficult unless. Every man for himself, yeah. <clears throat> exactly. And then all of a sudden, there was kind of like complete walkthrough videos of how to do it. So once I'd kind of been through that process, I thought, okay, I understand this now. And ironically, I bought the $10 and by the time I sold it, I'd made a dollar. And I thought, ah, that's interesting. Not I've bad. just made in, in you know, a couple of hours. So, um, so I, I invested in a little bit of Bitcoin and then I started investing in some of the kind of Ethereum-based projects that were coming out. I've always been quite entrepreneurial and I quite like the idea of picking companies that I thought were going to make a real difference to the, to the world and backing some of those. And then obviously as the ICO kind of thing started escalating before long, I'd got a wallet full of hundreds of shit coins, like probably <laughs> every space, uh, which I'm still trying to purge to this day. Um, and then, you know, got to the end of 2017 thinking everything was going to be blue skies from here. Um, yep. And then the world came crashing down rather predictably when you look at it in retrospect. Yeah, okay. A lot of people have been through the same story, mate. A lot of people didn't take the profits on the way through 2017. And there's a new wave of investor, I believe, that is coming into the market now. We'll, we'll talk to that in uh, in just a moment. I'm really interested about the, um, I mean, you. Were, I know we spoke pre-interview. I'd like you to elaborate a little bit on the uh, the what you learned and what you were doing throughout that ICO boom, because it was a real moment in history. Yeah, it was. It was incredible. And again, that's from our perspective as documentary filmmakers. We just thought this is, you know, this is just incredible. We found ourselves at all these shows where the kind of mania was just, you know, incredible. I think we were at Token Fest in San Francisco at one point, And there was, you know, 5,000 people. And all you could hear was, and you left there just kind of shaking by the end of it. And I think the, the one of the moments where I thought something could be going wrong here is we were at the Crypto Compare show in London. And I looked around and there was loads of old people in their 70s wandering around looking confused, clutching all these kind of brochures of things. And I thought, ah, something's about to go wrong here. And uh, instinctively, I should have known at that time, you know, it was time to to start pulling out. But I got carried away with it, as did everybody else, and, you know, started buying into loads of things left and right. And just, yeah, looking back at it now, I mean, absolute garbage. But some of the ones we picked did very, very well. But again, look at it in retrospect, the ones that have done really well are the kind of, you know, the, the more block, the, the blockchain based ones that are going to be around as opposed to the shit coins that are just pump and dumps. And, um, so and that was the difference then. Like, I mean, sorry, sorry to interrupt. I didn't mean to interrupt you. What, what, what's the difference between like you're running around the, the world effectively going to all these shows with your camera, you know, documenting what, what's going on. What were some of the things that you noticed around that time? Because there was absolute mayhem. Now, I, I didn't really get involved in it. I took two. That was uh, early 2018. Because I, I, I didn't trade the dot-com, but as a trader of 13 years, I, um, I'm very familiar with studying it technically. And 
you know, I think that there was the writing was on the wall and I started closing out of positions on the way 12 and a half. And then the last one was 15, eight or something just because it was markets don't do that forever. There's a, you know, there's got to be another side to that. And it was parabolic. It was crazy. It was hyped. Um, but a lot of people missed out on that and just being clouded within that. What did you see during that uh, documentation of that period um, that really stood out to you? I'm, I'm not talking about specific projects. I'm talking about what was the sort of uh, euphoria? What, what were the messages? What was the, the way the whole space felt as you were going around interviewing people, speaking to people and looking at these particular projects? What stood out to you? Well, I think the the main thing, just the pure mania of it, it was just that you had thousands of people in a conference space that were just pitching what they had at like a thousand miles an hour. And everybody seemed to think they had the best version of everything. And bear in mind, back in 2017, these conferences were like selling out in, in mm. you know, in no time. So the conference yeah. producers were making a fortune from all these kind of stands where people were in there. And it, it kind of the trade show market for cryptocurrency just exploded in, in months. We started attending, you know, there were two or three um, key ones we were going to. The next thing we looked and there was like 150 lined up for the next yeah. year. And our email was just dinging every day, inviting them, you know, to uh, us to them. And it's, um, it's, and then slowly over time, the audiences started dwindling. The amount of, here's a good indicator, the quality of the giveaways of the stores. The first time we went there, we were, there were people were giving away hoodies that lit up, amazing caps, sunglasses. And then six months later, it was a pen or a notepad. And we thought, hang on a second, something, you know, you could probably dictate the whole market. The belt of tightening. Mm. Yeah, exactly. And then we started speaking to conference producers who were kind of, you know, you'd go to the next show and there'd be less people there or the stalls would be smaller. And you could visually just see this whole thing shrinking to the point where we looked recently at one of the events to see the next one they'd invited us to. And there was a holding page for their event company just saying, you know, be back soon or something. And clearly they've gone out of business. So there was a groundswell uh, and, uh, you know, a cash grab, I think. I think some of these conferences were, were, were playing cash grabs. Yeah. And, well, if, if the market's there, then they'll be there too. They're, they're entrepreneurs, they're business people. And when the, when the sun shines, you make hay, right? So I want to come back to the whole, like, looping back now to, I suppose, what you're working on. You're a documentary filmmaker. You've, you've walked away from that. Now you're focusing more or less all of your time in, in, in this space. Is that right? We're, yeah, we're, we've been pretty much full time. I mean, there, there's a couple of other projects, documentary projects we're doing that are running sort of simultaneously as well. Uh, and there's a, a couple of drama projects that I've been working on as well. But ultimately, we also curate something called Crypto Smoothie, which is like a daily news site, which is kind of the idea is if you've got five minutes to catch up on everything uh, crypto over your coffee, you go to Crypto Smoothie and there's the best news stories, the best videos and a brief summary of kind of what's going on with all the market mm -hmm. indicators. So the first thing in the morning, I get up, just pour over all the crypto news, trying to work out, you know, what's kind of relevant. What's what? Um, yeah. And basically <laughs> do that. So that's, that's the start of each day. Then we're currently sitting on about 200 plus hours of documentary material that we're working our way through. And I think the, the three act structure of our documentary is really going to be 2017, the party, 2018, the crippling hangover and 2019, where do we go from here? Um, and I think we're at a kind of really interesting part of 2019 now where the, mm. the tide seems to be turning. So maybe there is a happy ending to this. But the problem with a documentary like this is we're filming it as it's happening 
most people film make these kind of documentaries after the fact. Yeah. So films like uh, the smartest guys in the room about the Enron scandal that was done mm. much later, and you go back. So so we're trying to constantly navigate this world. The difference for us is we're trying to tell the story from the inside out. Yeah. If Netflix made this documentary or one of the other ones, it would be people who don't know much looking in into the goldfish yeah. bowl, in, right on the it'd inside. Stories, apart from the factual, it'd be it'd be a, a story which is a cool, fun show, but it's not real. Yeah, exactly. So we're trying to be true to that, not kind of present a narrative that's uh, it, just present the facts, what happened, and also our story throughout it because we got caught up in it, or less everybody else did, and yeah. what the lessons are, and you know. Cryptocurrency is not going anywhere in a hurry. It's here to stay. It's clearly, you know, blockchain is very powerful. And it's, it's despite this kind of crazy ICO bubble, I think the, uh, the you know, the, the, there are going to be companies that are hugely successful in this space. And I think Bitcoin is going to, you know, carry on this year to do some really great things. And um, yeah, the, uh, the story will hopefully have a happy ending. Well, you've embarked on what seems to be the never-ending story because you're doing it somewhat in real time. So what's the plan to get this to market? I mean, look, you could keep going and going and going and you have this massive series, but you never actually get to market. What's the stop point? When do you edit and what are you going to do to get this to the masses? Are you going to Netflix, the Amazons, the, the network television? What's the plan for the doco? So we will, whatever happens, we will conclude this at the end of 2019 and have those three acts. We currently have the first hour cut because obviously they focused on 2017 and 18, yep. although we're constantly interviewing people and revisiting things. And then we'd like to go to the film festival circuit because we want yeah, to okay. get picked up and find a market that way. And um, because it's going to, you know, this, this hopefully will capture the zeitgeist kind of moment of what's you know going on. And that's, that's our plan. But at the moment we're, we're in deep and we're not coming out until we've got a film. Down the rabbit hole. So look, you've been through the 2017 ICO. You, you've come through 2018. You've documented the whole process. You talked before about what 2019 may bring. What do you see 2019 being the year of, so to speak? Well, I think the there's been a lot of building going on. And I think obviously looking back at my portfolio in the marketplace generally, there was tons of shit that disappeared. As everybody said, we interviewed Ryan Taylor from Dash like two years ago and he Pretty, pretty well. He said, 95% of these are all going to die. And you're going to find that there are a few that will, you know, will move forward. Um, and that's pretty much, I think, you know, exactly what's happened. Mm. Um, I am quite, a, I'm quite interested in like new blockchains like EOS and Cardano and yeah. you know, was interested in what Ethereum's doing. And I think there's been a really intense period of building. And I think some of that building's now starting to come to fruition. Obviously, institutions, a huge kind of question mark about, you know, whether they are actually coming in at the moment or whether they are going to come in soon. Um, I mean, what's your thought on that? Do you feel like institutions are, are on the sidelines still or are they starting to pile in? Institutions need, like proper institutions, not just a boutique little $60 million fund. Proper institutions need derivatives um, to be able to hedge their risk as a portfolio. So let's say someone's got $100 billion under management, which is not a massive fund, but it's, it's pretty large, right? And they want to put in you know, 0.5%, which equates to $500 million into their high risk portfolio fund, blah, blah, whatever. Um, for them to do that, they need to have the type of liquidity to allow them to do so. Um, and also the derivative products with enough liquidity to hedge themselves should bad things occur. I think, well, I know that 
uh, the institutions are there, but they're doing it in a different way. They're doing it in the way of uh, taking on equity in certain projects. So it's happening behind the scenes. If I'm in business and I'm running a, a project in, on blockchain, whatever, whatever, then they're coming to me on an interesting project, allowing me to pitch to them, and they're going, well, we want X equity. So instead of going out and just buying Bitcoin because they want to buy Bitcoin, they're leveraging themselves in through good operations, like a VC model, good teams, good product, and good execution is what they want. They'll then help that through funding, scaling their partnerships to grow that. That's the first step. Uh, definitely we are seeing institutions have a bigger uh, involvement when it comes to the, I suppose, um, the the speculative asset side of things. The CME group is the first futures that are legitimately uh, and regulated um, for Bitcoin. And recently, a couple of weeks back, they had $1.2 billion of volume. I can't remember if it was for a day or for a week, but that's not a huge amount of volume, but it's enough to see it's, it's coming because they're institutional grade clients. They're not, they're not your retail person trading on BitMEX or Bitfinex. It's a very different level of clientele. With Bax coming in, with Fidelity coming in, with all these different things, with Facebook, with uh, I think Starbucks, uh, AT&T, you can pay your tax on it. If you consider what we did in 2017 with a run to say 20,000, we had none of that. Everyone in the big corporates was saying it's a fraud, it's bullshit, it's crap, disappear. Now we've got some of the biggest names and businesses on the planet that are now talking about it, incorporating with it, working with it, implementing it, and talking about it openly without the fear of being the first to speak and therefore scaring away some of the big family office investors that they have. The, the, the first step of major risk for these institutions has been taken. The groundswell is increasing, and I don't see um, these people leaving this market because they're the ones that are going to embrace it as more of their clientele. I mean, I said this. Well, in 2017, 18, I said it'll be pretty straightforward. When Goldman were coming out and saying it's a fraud, or JP was saying it's a fraud, it's like, I know how these operations work. All they care about is making a profit. They'll trade your grandmother's curtains if there's enough of them and there's a market and they can make a profit. They don't care what it is. Bitcoin at the time was a threat. They had no products to make a dollar off it. So of course, it's bad for them. So yes, they're coming. Yes, they're there. The big institutions, I, th I still think, are a little way off. I don't think the trust, the custody, the margin uh, options available, I think that they might be a year or two off, potentially, depending on what happens this year. But we're seeing a trickle. And I think the biggest uh, driver of this market this year is going to be the next wave of investors. And you talked earlier uh, to the point that you weren't involved in the dot-com. Neither was I. Now, the investor between sort of 45 and 65 was, whether they invested, made money or lost money, or they watched it. There was two booms, 96 and 2000. 2000 was the one that captured the attention of the world, right? They watched it go shoot up, bang, straight back down. Now, uh, what, three of the top five companies in the world are dot-com companies. So they are very aware of, of what happens and what cycles look like. They don't want to buy the top, so they stayed out in 2017, and they don't want to buy the bottom. They want to know that it's got some legitimacy and it's going to stick around. And I think that's what we're starting to see now with big brands, big names, big institutions, big banks, massive corporations getting involved. I think they're our next uh, wave to drive the price because they will still buy spot. They will buy Bitcoin and Ethereum and, and whatnot. And I think it'll be in that top 10. They'll really focus their attention. That's my personal view anyway. Yeah, uh, I, I definitely... Uh... I concur with that for sure. I was chatting to, in fact, in fact, you spoke to him the other day. A good friend of mine is Chris Coney. I think. Yeah, 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 good bloke, really nice guy. He's there. Uh, he's a great guy, and he's also one of the kind of sensible people that I always speak to when the mania was at its height. If I needed some sort of cut through and somebody who had a 
very kind of stoic, sensible approach to it. Yeah. I'd always call Chris because he's kind of, and he, he was giving that really interesting example of you've got kind of traditional investments as this circle and ours as this tiny little circle. A dot. And all it is a tiny bit to go out of that to swell our little circle, kind of, you know, double it or treble it. Oops. So um, it was quite an interesting way of looking at it, really, that it doesn't require much to happen in that side no. for our considerably tiny crypto market to increase significantly. And if you consider that the NASDAQ used to be the place where you'd trade shit stocks, it was a dodgy, risky, horrible place to be. That's what the NASDAQ started as. Now it's something like 10, 12 trillion dollar marketplace. Uh, it's huge. So, you know, all things must crawl before they can walk. Um, we've crawled, we've then gone back as an amoeba uh, and then learned how to get legs again and we're moving forward once again. It's really good to see a lot more uh, activity in the space. A lot of people need to learn from the mistakes that they've made learn the fact that you know, I speak to people and they go, oh, I don't really want to be a trader, so I won't learn a trade. It's like, yeah, but trading's not, like what you learn from learning how to read charts, it also can help you with your entry points and your exit points. Consider how many people, if they had a sold it when Bitcoin was at 15,000, let's say, so 5,000 before the, the top, let's say, they sold, if they sold their tokens or 10% of their tokens or whatever, and then bought back in as it was coming back off, whether it be May, June, April, whatever, who cares? they would be holding so much more of those projects that they believe in. Now, whether they believe in it through hype or hope or factual understanding of what the project's doing, that's by the by. If they still believe in it, they can have 10 times more if they learn how to exit. And that's what the market failed to do. And that's basically why we're doing what we're doing. So again, coming back to this show and what you guys are doing, what is the plan? What is your end goal? Well, I think our end goal essentially is, you know, is to finish the documentary we're making. But in the process of doing so, we've become very involved in the space mm. and we have met, you know, a load of really interesting people. And, I, you know, it now consumes a large part of my day. So I think even when this documentary goes out, we'll continue doing our show. We'll continue being involved with things and we might, you know, find other interesting content projects that we can do around it. But I think for the moment, we just want to be part of this incredible, you know, this groundswell of something that's one of the most exciting things of our lifetime. Well, I could not agree more. And it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. What I'd like you to do is tell us all where we can find out more about what you're doing and where to find you. Great. Well, our YouTube channel is New Kids on the Blockchain. And you, we have a website, which is www.newkidsontheblockchain.com. We can come and find us too. And we put out a weekly show every Saturday, which is like a half hour kind of, uh, I guess, magazine style show, really, of blockchain, what's going on, interesting interviews, a uh, bit of news. And um, yeah, come and have a look and hopefully uh, we can all learn something together. Well, ladies and gentlemen, it's Ashley Plew, who is the host of New Kids on the Blockchain. I've watched their half hour show. They've done a very good job having that filmmaking background, the documentary style. You can definitely see it come through. It's very professional, very entertaining. Absolutely well done. I'm a, I'm a big fan of what you're doing. I wish you all the best going forward. And I can't wait to see this on hopefully Netflix or Amazon or something where you have massive success. So we'll keep in touch. I'll speak to you again down the track. Thank you so much for your time today. Absolute pleasure. Take care. Ladies and gentlemen, have a great day. Bye for now. This show is proudly sponsored by TraderCobb.com. Visit TraderCobb.com forward slash free tools 
for your free education content. Now on this section of the website, you will receive access to view a bit about the three trading strategies that I use daily. And if you're sick and tired of your family and friends wanting to know about Bitcoin and cryptocurrency, well, there's a free course in there for them as well, titled Beginner's Course to Cryptocurrency. It's absolutely free, so tell your friends and family and visit tradercob.com now.